Welcome to the Maria Liberati Show, where food meets art, travel, and life. So what does food mean to you? Well, join me this week on this segment as my special guest is taste pairing expert and author Mandy Naglich. And Mandy is uh, an expert in tasting, you know, pairings of beer, wine, oil. And Mandy also has a book out that she's going to tell us about. And we have her on in honor of Oktoberfest. You know, Oktoberfest is really a festival that starts on September 21st, but it's till October 6th. Everyone thinks it's in October, of course, because it's called Oktoberfest. And some other fun facts about Oktoberfest are that it's a 200-year-old festival, and it was originally held not for beer, not as a beer festival. I'm sure there was a lot of beer at this event. But it was originally a festival to honor the marriage of Prince Ludwig and Therese of Saxe-Hildbruckhausen in 1810. I hope I said that correctly. But that is what the original first Oktoberfest was. It was actually a large beer festival for a wedding for royalty in Germany. And the beer that is especially brewed for Oktoberfest is an especially strong brew. So it can be quite dangerous if you're not expecting to drink that type of beer. If you think it's your ordinary everyday beer, it is an extra strong brew that they make just for that festival. There's also 14 large beer hall tents The largest one holds 11,000 people, and there is also a wine tent there. And did you know that in 1896, Albert Einstein actually helped set up the electricity for one of the beer tents? Stay with me for our interview with Mandy Naglich. And today my special guest is Mindy Naglich, and uh, she's an author, but also a certified taster. And she's got a really interesting book out that I think really goes along with the theme of my podcast, where we're always exploring the intersection between food and life. So Mindy, thanks so much for being here. Awesome. I'm so excited to be here and talk tasting with you. Yes, definitely. And Mindy, tell us, I know your book title is long, so I'm going to let you tell them your book the title of your book. It's a great book title, by the way. Yeah, the title How to Taste is pretty easy to remember. But the whole thing is How to Taste a Guide to Discovering Flavor and Savoring Life. So yes. definitely a mouthful, but yes, really definitely. gets to the point of the book. <laughs> so tell me, initially, I thought my production person told me that it the book had something to do with beer. I haven't read it yet. But or is it more than just beer pairings? It sounds like it could be. Yeah, so I started my career in beer. Uh, that's when I got my advanced Cicerone, which I was one of the first advanced Cicerones in the world. But okay. since then, that really opened my eyes to all flavors. So it's about tasting. I talked to over 100 professional tasters from mustard, butter, um, olive oil, honey, whiskey, everything is in there. So I really wanted to cover tasting anything And then Uh once you read the book and you get into tasting, you can kind of pick your specialty. There's plenty of books out there about specifically tasting beer or specifically tasting tea and things like that. This is just get to know your senses and learn how to taste. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's perfect. So tell me what is a, I was almost going to say like an Italian pronunciation, a pronunciation to Tironi, but it's Cicero. Yeah. So tell, tell us, tell my audience, tell me what that is too, because I'm not familiar with that term. Um, the easiest way to explain it is kind of the sommelier of the beer world. So to go. get your Cicerone, you start as a certified beer server, then your Cicerone, then I'm the advanced Cicerone. So the higher level. And we have to specialize in five different areas. It's keeping and serving beer, beer right. styles, tasting beer, which is where we really get to know like all the compounds and chemistry of tasting uh -huh. um, food pairing with beer. And then what is the last one? Oh, brewing, how to actually brew beer and the brewing wow. process. Wow. So um, that was one of my questions. Have you, cause I know a lot of people, you know, now a lot of stores have home brewing stuff that you can do it yourself. Have you ever tried that? Have you ever tried doing that yourself? Yeah. What really sent me down this um, path is actually, I won a gold medal at the national homebrew competition in 2016, Very which good. is there's about 3,000 brewers, I think 5,000 entries in that competition. So uh, when I first won that and kind of came out of nowhere, I it got a lot of attention and the Cicerone organization reached out to me. And then I really started specializing in um, beer and brewing as both a journalist and then a brewer. So oh, that's great. that was, that was beginning. Kind of, yeah, that was my next question was going to be what was your inspiration to do the book, but I guess winning that award probably is that what kind of led you to that? Well, so I thought from that, you know, my my specialty would be in beer and that would be kind of where my career went. But I actually started training for Master Cicerone, which there is now 20 of those in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is taking this really intense uh, taster certification where we have to be able to spell specific compounds, for example, a single sulfur compound and mm -hmm. identify it um, in a testing zone. So I think we had 37 compounds we were tested on right. for that certification. And right. that is what just opened my eyes to, wow, I, you know, in the span of a couple of days, I was able to train myself to really be so sensitive to these compounds where I could smell something diacetyl as this um, smell of butter. And I could mm -hmm. smell it in tiny concentration and just a couple of days practicing. And it really opened my eyes to, wow, these scents are all around us. We aren't paying attention to them, but with just a little focus, you can really pick up on it. And it totally changes the way you go through the world. So that class actually is what inspired me. From there, I went and got my W set in spirits. I'm a certified cheese taster, all different things. So um, that really opened up my eyes to the world of flavor generally. And I kind of left that specific beer path. Um, still love beer, but not as focused on it. <laughs> I see. So you're you're, you have a lot of different areas than you're, that you're in. What is your, so if I were to ask you, like, do you, so you, I know you must do pairings, like with, do you do pairings with beer? And I know that's a, that's like a hot thing now. Do you? Yeah. Listen? I so mean, beer is one of them. Yes. But, uh, but cider, whiskey. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I guess if I were to ask you like a beer pairing, do you have any favorites? You know, I'm sure you can pair it with a cheese, right? I'm sure you, I know you can. Yeah, cheese is a, an easy, like kind of um, a very easy pairing method just because it's like its own signal. No, but yes. I actually am out in Los Angeles right now. I just got done consulting with Cup Noodles, the brand, uh -huh. on doing oh, beer yes. pairings for all of their new sauces. So the one that was a big hit at our last event that we just did was um, Hazy IPA and General So's Chicken. Um, mm -hmm. 
So basically those are a nice intensity match. The intensity of General So's sauce, that tanginess really matches up with the tropical IPA very well. And when uh -huh. they come together, they kind of enhance each other. This caramelized note is really pulled out of the General So's chicken that you don't notice when it's not paired with beer. So that kind of follows some of the rules I outlined in the book about pairing, which is know what your star is, match the intensities of the flavors, and then either complement, contrast, cut, or create with the two things you're pairing. So that was definitely a complement contrast or a complement pairing. Exactly. And I guess that sounds like, like, do you have a kind of a rule of thumb when pairing things together? Do you have any, like a, it might be difficult to pair it down to kind of one, but do you have any kind of a rule of thumb? I think as long as you're matching within the intensity of the flavor, you're always going to nail it. So, or you're always going to have a pairing that at least works. It might not be the perfect pairing, but if you have a really intense cheese, say like a really a Roquefort blue cheese, you know, that's really oh. funky, has a lot of earthiness to it. And you pair it with like a very um, delicate uh, white wine that doesn't have, you know, a very delicate Pinot or something that's just crisp, yeah. that cheese is going to overpower that all day. And you're not going to be able to enjoy both elements. But if you, you know, pick something that is a more delicate cheese, like a goat cheese with that, then oh. they can kind of meet, you can enjoy both flavors, and you're not going to overpower or erase anything. So I think when you're first starting out, it's really great just to think, how intense is this flavor generally? Is it big and bold or is it more delicate and subtle? Start there. And then you can start working on those four basic C's that I talk about in pairing. Complement, which is, you know, strawberry wine and strawberry sorbet. They're going to complement each other. <laughs> Contrast um, is something that like um, if you have a big like a really creamy panna cotta, right? You, you want something bright and fizzy to kind of contrast that. So maybe you're doing like a little bit of an acidic sparkling wine or something like that, or like a cider I love with a panna cotta, yes. that contrast, right? Mm -hmm. Creamy one note vanilla, contrast it with a the cider. Then cut is similar, I guess, to contrast and how I just said it, but like some, when you have something fatty and heavy, even that goat cheese, right? A nice uh -huh. acidic white will cut through that so you can cut it that way. Or say you're having... um key lime pie, you have this tanginess, you might want to cut it with a, a sweeter wine, a, a dessert wine to kind of cut through that tanginess. Um, so that's your cut. And then create is the most fun. And I love watching chefs kind of get whimsical with this. Like you can have like a very jammy Zinfandel or something and then have it with peanut brittle and try to create that experience of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich together. Um, or in beer, we love to do like a dark, like a brown ale with a cheddar and be like, does this come together as a grilled cheese? Kind of, I don't know why those are both sandwich examples. <laughs> but, um, you know, creating something out of two elements that you might not expect, creating a memory or an experience is the fourth one, which is you're getting into some advanced pairing there, I would say. Exactly. I love that. I think people don't realize, you know, I know with what I'm more into like wine pairings and things than beer, but a little beer, but they don't realize that those things like wine and beer kind of, it, they, it, well, you're saying this, but people don't realize they, I think they were originally people, people had them with their meals because they exaggerate the taste and, you know, mm -hmm. they do something to the taste. They bring out just what you said. So that was one of the original purposes for wine is to, you know, to complement whatever in a certain way, either contrast or, but it, they do something, they exaggerate the taste in one way or the other. So it's not meant to just drink a glass of wine. So uh, it's meant to do something to. Right. And 
I also think people get a little nervous when they're wine, wine pairing and they, they take it on as like to um, like, this will ruin the wheel if I have the wrong yes, wine. Yes. And for the most part, I think if you have a good wine and good food, you're you're. It's very rare that you have. There are a few interactions I talk about in the book about like clashing right. and right. Um, when you have a wash where kind of the wine or the drink will actually deaden the taste of the food just because of the right. way the flavors interact. But yes. it's, it's typically never going to ruin your meal. So I think people should have fun with it instead of a you know making it a, like a nervous homework rocket assignment. science or something. <laughs> yeah. exactly, exactly. That's the that is the important thing. So I guess one of my my question is I started out by saying so my podcast like our tagline is where food meets where food meets life, and it sounds mm -hmm. like your book also had that type of feeling you know, where mm -hmm. kind of intersects with life. Do you have anything in regards to that to tell us like any kind of intersection there with food and life? Oh, yeah. I would say, I mean, every chapter talks about that. But one yeah. of my favorites, um, I think we don't think about the way all of our senses enhance our memory, you know, and um, the way you can create these sensory memories with just a little bit of focus. And it really makes your whole life much richer. Right. Um, our sense of smell is so tied to our emotions and our long-term memory. And just by, you know, being on a vacation, you're on this beautiful vacation. Say you're in Italy, you just toured a winery and you're like, wow, this wine was delicious. It's very easy to say, oh, that was lovely. Like, goodbye. But if you really take a moment with your, you know, companions and smell the wine and try to take in what's around you and say, wow, I'm getting these notes of current and it's quite dry on my palate and I'm in, I'm enjoying myself. I feel the sunshine. You can really create a memory that the next time you have a wine and it hits your palate in that dry way, all of a sudden you're like transported back there and you're like, wow, this reminds me of being in Italy. And it's just a little, you know, a little thing that you, you wouldn't go out of your way to create maybe typically, but a right. tiny bit of focus, all of a sudden you start having all these connections in your life. Um, I talk about in the book, like when I started really training my nose to get some of these certifications and pass some of these exams and stuff, I rolled down my windows in Portland, Oregon, and I was just driving and I was like, oh, wow, the forest here smells so different than like the forest in Vermont where I usually vacation. And I was like, huh, you know, I don't think if I, if I didn't do all this focus and think about my senses, there's no way I would notice that. I wouldn't be like, oh, the forest smells different, which I don't know. Does that add to your life? I just, it's just like, um, yeah, a more colorful, richer experience when you train your senses this way. And I think it can, yeah, weave into even just a little drive through Oregon. Yeah. And that's a great way to, it's another kind of a souvenir that you keep, you know, it's not a material thing, but it's a souvenir that you can keep coming back to in your memory all the time. I know I do the same thing. Like certain smells remind me of like, wow, this reminds me of Italy in autumn. And it's like, well, or, or in the summertime, even though I'm not in Italy or being at a place or whatever, or I guess that's why we have our childhood memories, you know, bring us back to these foods that we cooked when we were lit or had when we were little, you know, so. Um, yeah. All and speak, yeah, that intersection with life. And you said your childhood memories, I go yes. in the beginning of the book really out of my way to define kind of how all of our flavor worlds are different, even though we oh. don't realize it. Right. And it's such a nice way to connect with people, right? You can be eating the same dessert and You're someone right. has such a specific memory of like, oh, this reminds me of my childhood. I, we always made this at Christmas because in my culture, you know, uh, those like uh, Pinzella cookies or, you know, that's like part of my culture. And it can be to someone else a brand new taste. Yes. And they're having a first time experience. The person next to them is having this 
um, you know, really nostalgic experience and being able to connect over that is just so interesting. And a lot of our dinner conversation doesn't necessarily turn to the food in that way, but it's such an opportunity to connect with people and learn about them, learn what, you know, they're experiencing that we would never know if you didn't ask. Exactly. It is. And I think that was my one favorite thing about when I got into food was that I could connect to people that I may not have connected to because I'm connected to them about food and taste and and memories about certain foods and all just just as you said, it's just another way to be able to to connect to people. That's great. Yeah. Mindy, tell us um, where tell us the title of your book again. I'm going to let you say that and uh, tell us where we can find the book, too. Yeah, it's How to Taste, A Guide to Discovering Flavor and Savoring Life. And it's anywhere that books are sold. It's in a lot of small bookshops. Um, but if you're in a specialty store that doesn't have it, definitely tell them about it because it's a great pair. It's in some like cheese stores and wine stores and things like that, too, because it's such a great companion. Just if you're if you're enjoying something right by there, the, the fourth chapter of the book is a tasting method where it line outlines just how to taste anything um, with a little bit of focus and a little bit of thought. And so it's such a nice companion to some of those specialty stores where you'll find Definitely. it as well. Sounds like it. And do you have a website or is there a website people can go to um, for the book or yes? Yeah. So um, you can definitely follow me on Instagram. It's drinks with Mandy. Um, I talk about tasting mostly drinks there, but um, the book itself has the website howtotastebook.com. And then there's also a how to taste book Instagram as well. But um, it's not as, as well followed and uh, as much information as uh, my personal where I'm posting about all the book events and talking about everything. So um, definitely there online. Okay, that's great. All right, Mindy, thank you so much. So interesting. Thanks so much for being with us. And uh, yeah, I definitely recommend for everyone to go out and get that book. Sounds so interesting. Um, much success. And hopefully we'll be hearing from you in the future. Also, if you have another project or whatever, just reach out. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun to talk tasting with you. Yeah, that, yes. I love <laughs> talking taste. Yes. Yes. Welcome to the Maria Liberati Show, where food meets art, travel, and life. So what does food mean to you? Well, join me this week on this segment as my special guest is taste pairing expert and author Mandy Naglich. And Mandy is uh, an expert in tasting, you know, pairings of beer, wine, oil. And Mandy also has a book out that she's going to tell us about. And we have her on in honor of Oktoberfest. You know, Oktoberfest is really a festival that starts on September 21st, but it's till October 6th. Everyone thinks it's in October, of course, because it's called Oktoberfest. And some other fun facts about Oktoberfest are that it's a 200-year-old festival, and it was originally held not for beer, not as a beer festival. I'm sure there was a lot of beer at this event, but it was originally a festival to honor the marriage of Prince Ludwig and Therese of Saxe-Hildbruckhausen. 
in 1810. I hope I said that correctly. But that is what the original first Oktoberfest was. It was actually a large beer festival for a wedding for royalty in Germany. And the beer that is especially brewed for Oktoberfest is an ex especially strong brew. So it can be quite dangerous if you're not expecting to drink that type of beer if you think it's your ordinary everyday beer it is an extra strong brew that they make just for that festival there's also 14 large beer hall tents the largest one holds 11,000 people and there is also a wine tent there and did you know that in 1896 albert einstein actually helped set up the electricity for one of the beer tents. Stay with me for our interview with Mandy Naglich.